0: We're going to be looking at um, the celebration of Palm Sunday. Today's Palm Sunday and uh, we want to share and celebrate with other Christians all around the world right now this amazing day of Jesus entering Jerusalem. So be sure to uh, check out our Facebook page uh, Long Eaton Oasis and our church website so that you can see what's coming up over the Easter period. And not only are we celebrating Palm Sunday, but Good Friday and then Easter Sunday celebration so you can see what's going on. Please check out our Facebook page. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, we're going to read verses um, uh, 1 to 14 and it reads like this. As they approached Jerusalem... And came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples on, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her side. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? them. We'll just stop there. I'd like to share three things today uh, from this account so that we can apply them to life on this Palm Sunday. Uh, First one is this, Jesus came to save and to serve. Jesus came to save and to serve. He comes to serve us and save us. We read there in verses Four to five. It says this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to them, Daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. On that day Jesus entered Jerusalem. It would have been it was a, a window into a, a, the week, the final week of his life. What we what Christians refer to as holy week. And starting with this day, Palm Sunday, when he enters Jerusalem, the people, the huge crowds beginning to rejoice outside of the city gates on the road as he's coming in, throwing down their cloaks, waving palms, throwing down palm branches, a way of celebration, welcoming the King of Kings, the Messiah who they were looking to. And in he, as he comes, and um, he's riding on... A donkey and which is a fulfillment of the um, prophet Zechariah the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and so Jesus is identifying as the Messiah the king of Israel and the king of creation who came to save The nation of Israel, that's what the Messiah, the anointed one, He was the Israel looked towards a Messiah, an anointed, an anointed king who would save Israel and restore the heritage and the heart and spirit of the nation. But not only, and they didn't realise this, was he coming as the Messiah of Israel, but the Messiah to the whole world, as the saviour and the king of the whole world. And you notice there in, our, in the account that Matthew shares is that Jesus didn't ride in on a war horse, but he rode in on a donkey. It fulfilled the prophet's words. But um, amid the, amidst the adulation, Jesus was, was aware of his imminent sacrifice. He comes in on a donkey to serve and to give his very lives for the nation of Israel, but for the whole world. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, we see that Jesus there came and comes in. um, to The the donkey speaks there of uh, service, the servant heart, the humble heart, the heart the, the heart of the king of service, the king of sacrifice and uh, you know kings of the day would uh, come in as royalty and as warrior chiefs on a war horse Uh, Jesus comes to fulfill prophecy as the heart of the king and you know the heart of of uh, Christianity the heart of the Christian faith is to serve and give our lives we read of Jesus for it says even the son of man Mark uh, Mark's gospel Mark accounts for Jesus and says even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so that we see in this day of triumph, of adulation, of praise, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, identifying with prophecy as the Messiah, fulfilling that prophetic uh, words over his life, he comes to give his life and to serve and to save. And this is at the very heart of the Christian faith and our faith, is that we're to have a, a heart that serves you and I, as believers, and and, uh, to, and to give our lives as a living sacrifice to God uh, uh, also. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher and pastor, many years ago uh, said these words, I believe that many professing Christians are cold and uncomfortable because they are doing nothing for their Lord. But if they actively served him, their blood would begin to circulate spiritually and it would be well with them. You know, sometimes we have, if our, our, you know, our, we get cold, our, our circulation, we rub our hands together to get the circulation going to, to warm up. And um, Charles Spurgeon was saying there, you know, we feel cold spiritually and uh, we need to get the circulation going as we serve and give our lives to the living God. Second thing that we um, see in this account and can be encouraged and applied to our lives is: um, if the first is this uh, idea of um, service, then the second is this consistent worship. You know, there's, we can learn from this is the desire and need for a consistent worship. It says a very large crowd spread their cloaks in verses eight to ten on the road. While others cut branches, and this is where we get Palm Sunday from, from the trees and spread them on the road. They had palm branches and waved them in the air. And crowds went ahead of him and to those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered the city, Jerusalem was stirred. You know, the word Hosanna means God saves. Uh, God saves us. And it became uh, not only a prayer, but a, 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 a declaration, not only a desire for God to save, but a declaration of prayer and praise over the nation and over people's hearts, referring to God and the King of Kings. And they're singing over Jesus, God saves us, declaring and devoting their lives to him. And uh, we see this as they were worshipping him and throwing their cloaks and coming out with great adulation. And yet in less than a week, and this is the real stark thing, and Jesus would know this in his heart and mind. In less than a week, um, a week, less than a week later, some of those, or quite a number of those in the crowd, those same voices that cried, Hosanna, would be crying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, inconsistent worship is a killer for faith for your faith and my faith. If we're inconsistent with our worship and we're called to, I think one of the most underrated things is persistence and consistency. And to keep on, and uh, there 's something and, and there 's one thing about bringing our lives and on a good day and we 're worshiping God and we 're mixing with lots of other believers and there 's a great crowd of us together, and maybe we assemble together uh, as we are uh, as we 're assembling now as a church together and, and there 's this great adulation, but but that calls also when we move walk away and, and in the week and our week and your week and my life we 're called to a consistent the next day and the next day and the next day. To be walking and worshiping God. A. W. Tozer said this, and uh, in his only in the way that he could, he said this: If you're not worshiping God on Monday, the way you did the day before, perhaps you're not worshiping Him at all. Consistency. Inconsistent worship is a killer to our faith. And on that day, there were those that I'm sure that stayed and and, and clung to Jesus. But there were many that only a few days later would walked away and not continued in with their hearts and um, with their lives. Third thing and final thing that we see that we can apply is um, Jesus goes on to clear the temple. My house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers." It's, it's interesting because Matthew, the, the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke and John, they all share this account of Palm Sunday. But it's, and um, Matthew links Jesus entering in on Palm Sunday and also links with it this aspect of Jesus then going up to the temple and clearing the temple. Um, Matthew does that, Luke and John, Mark, Luke and John, they show uh, this account of the temple, they link it's, it's with Palm Sunday, but they link it to maybe just on the back of the next day. Matthew is different from the others in the sense of that he's bringing it all together, even if it was just just, just following hot on the heels of Jesus entering the temple, but maybe just, you know, the next day. And he does that to make a point. And the point that he's showing is he's bringing it together to show that uh, Jesus is the Messiah And that when he brings rule, it's the rule of God is at the very spiritual heart of the nation. And so hence, there's this aspect of the temple that he's bringing. It's not just he's bringing rule. The Messiah comes to restore and overthrow Roman rule and bring a a government, an earthly government. But it's the very heart and spirit of the very nation. And it's with that we're going to go this morning. and And that's why we're looking at Matthew. Jesus clears the temple and uh, those selling and so what what happens is this the, the in the temple the temple had a number of courts where you would move right to the very place the holy of holies where only the high priest could go but the very outer court the, the most outer of the outer courts was called the court of the gentiles and it was in that area that um there were stalls to buy animals for sacrifice And there were stores and areas where you could change your money into the currency that was then given as a temple offering or temple tax. And uh, those uh, money changers and the animal sellers were there, they were legally allowed to be there. It was permissible for them to be there. And so they were doing something that was right. And yet Jesus comes in and overturns everything. Why is that? Well, the reason, and he says, you've made it a den of robbers, and there's probably a hint to what was going on. But uh, what had happened was that um, th- the focus of, of, of the money changers and the people uh, was such that it was about the money changing more than it being a gift for God. And, and also some of the money changers were becoming greedy And uh, the focus was on the selling of the animals rather than the the worship and sacrifice to God. And to such a degree that these stalls had begun to crowd out the Gentile court so that the Gentiles were there so that they could worship God as well. But they were being pushed and crowded out. So the focus had changed. There was a greed. They were crowding out, as it were, Gentiles being able to come and actually worship and get close to God to some degree. And there's something in there for you and I. We can learn something from this and the heart of God in this. And it's this. Don't let um, God be crowded out of your and my life uh, with the permissible things of life. And so in life, there's a lot of good things that we can do. And there's a lot of permissible things, just as there were for the money changers and, the, and the, the, the sellers of animals on the day. But some of these things in life can then, they're permissible, like, I don't know, Having, having my own leisure time, or you know, um, you know the job that that I do and the money that, that we earn, and uh, for our daily life, my own time, me time, you know DIY time. I don't know what what we you know the, the club that we're in, part of um, you know socializing. All the all these things are absolutely good in life, and they're the permissible. But when these things crowd out our lives such that our faith is crowded, God is crowded out in other words, and it can happen. I know in my own life, and I'm sure in your life, the permissible things of life, if they become our focus, they become our desire, and then God gets pushed to the side or crowded out and that is so dangerous and so Jesus comes to clear and, he, he, and so often revival comes to the church. The church is turned up and our hearts are, and God stirs our hearts and so the Spirit, Holy Spirit comes to stir us so that Jesus can take the centre of our lives as it were. And he calls us today and he has a passion for you and a desire for me that we come and give our lives to him afresh and put him at the very centre of it all. God bless you and thank you for being with us today. May you know the power of his presence as we come and give our lives to serve him, uh, you know, afresh that we come with consistent we give each day uh, to god worship isn't just singing songs but giving our hearts every day to him in our work and in our time in our leisure and i'm doing this for your glory and as we uh, don't allow these things to crowd out our hearts that we might live for him and tell the world that jesus lives god bless you